All right. While they're getting down, I'm going to get started. First, I just wanted to say thank you, choir. That was incredible. Yeah. Round of applause. Thank you for leading us in beautiful praise of our Lord and Savior and for giving the glory to him. That was wonderful, and we appreciate you. It's been a beautiful service so far, and for the next 10 minutes, they've given me the task of preaching on the incarnation of Jesus. So, <laughs> we're only going to hit some main points, and afterwards you can read a book. <laughs> but I'm very excited to preach the word to you today. It's always a blessing and a joy for me. I'm also excited because I see a lot of our college students who are home for Christmas break, and it's wonderful to see them. I've missed them, and it's a joy to be here with you. Um, and I, I'm very excited to preach the word as we talk about the incarnation of Jesus, which, by the way, is, is God becoming flesh. This is the creator of the universe coming down as the second member of the Trinity, becoming flesh, taking on human nature. When we celebrate Christmas, we remember Christ's birth. That's what we're talking about. Although we, we paint this picture that really is a beautiful scene of, of baby Jesus in a manger, we sometimes lose focus that this is the God of the universe entering into humanity. And that's a big deal. This is a really big deal. In fact, many people uh, question this. I've had uh, uh, many people over the years ask me about this when they're, they're coming around Christmas time. Why was this the method? Why did Jesus have to become a man? This seems counterintuitive. In fact, in other religions, this is offensive. There are other belief systems that that say it's offensive. How dare you say that the holy, righteous, awesome, mighty God of the universe would become man? It is kind of offensive. It's humiliating for someone who deserves that honor, praise, and glory to take on the lowly form of flesh. But it was necessary. Not because God needed to do this, but because we needed him to do it. And so when we talk about the incarnation, I, I wanted to share with you a few things, just some reasons why this was so important, why it was so necessary that Christ become man. First off, it's important because Christ was fulfilling God's promises. We know that the Old Testament is riddled with prophecy and promises of a future Messiah, one who will be born of a virgin in Bethlehem and who will save the nations. And so Christ is the fulfillment of these promises. So that's one reason why he needed to become a man, was to, to show that God keeps his promises. But another reason he became man was to show who God is. In fact, in Hebrews 1.3, we're told that Christ is the exact representation of God's nature. He's the radiance of his glory. And that's why in John chapter 14, when Philip is talking to Jesus, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus says to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Because he who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus by becoming man, is able to show us who God is in a way that we can understand deeper. We get to see his attributes in action in the life of Jesus. 
You see, we can read in the word of God about who God is. We can see his glory through creation, but through the life of Jesus, we see his nature in a way that makes sense to us, in a way that's personable, in a way that we can relate to and see how awesome and wonderful his majesty is. And so Christ's incarnation shows us who God is. He also came because it makes him a sympathetic high priest. We're told about this in the book of Hebrews, that through Christ's life, Being in human flesh, he was able to relate with our struggles. As a high priest, he's able to understand our temptations and what we go through. So there's many reasons that Christ came to this earth, but the main reason, which was actually mentioned last week, Pastor John Rossetti in his sermon mentioned that the the purpose of the manger, the reason we have the nativity, the reason Christ was born was to, to point toward the cross. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says that it is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ came into the world for this purpose, to save sinners. And Paul even says, among whom I am foremost of all. Church, I am foremost of all. When I read this, I'm reminded Christ came. The reason that he was born, when I I celebrate his birth during Christmas, it's because of me. And it's because of you. Because we are all sinners. And our sin needed to be taken care of for us to have relationship with God. If it wasn't necessary, Christ wouldn't have come down. Think about it. We're told in Philippians 2 that this is a humbling moment for Christ that Paul says he existed in the form of God. What this means is that because Jesus is God, he's always existed as God. That never stops happening. It's not like, oh, Jesus was born in the manger. This is when Christ came into existence. No, he's God. He was there in the beginning. He was there for creation. He's always existed as God. During his life here on earth, he still was God. His death, his resurrection, his ascension, all of those moments, he still was was God. He was ascended into heaven. He still now reigns as God. If at any point he stopped being God, then he wouldn't be God. Does that make sense? (laughs) You can't be God if you don't exist eternally as God. And so Paul says that Christ existed in the form of God, yet he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Now, this is not saying that Christ emptied his godly attributes or stopped being God for a moment. That is not what this is saying. What this is saying is that Christ took on a lower position. He left his position in heaven where as God, he was getting all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. He had all the riches. Yet, entering into humanity, he let go of those things and instead got Humility. He got persecution. He took on a form that is so beneath him. It's the form of the creation, and he's the creator. This is not a, you know, a lot of times we paint it as a beautiful picture, and it's beautiful because of the results of what we get from this, but it is a humiliating, humiliating moment for the Savior to come down and become man, and not only that, but he lived his life in humiliation. He lived his life in poverty, He lived his life in persecution. 
Every time he tried to do good, there'd be a Pharisee there ready to stone him. He lived his life in temptation. He was in the flesh, the flesh that we have, and he was tempted. He went through 40 days and nights, no water or food, and Satan himself went to tempt him. I mean, Adam and Eve couldn't even handle an apple. (laughs) But Christ took on the temptations of the world, the hardest temptations that could be done here, and he never sinned because he's God. Throughout his life, he also went through betrayal. Those who were dear to him betrayed him. Judas sold him out. His disciples left when he was taken to the cross. Those who he came to save, those whom he loved, are the ones who put him on the cross and killed him. They're the ones who spit on him, mocked him, scorned him. That's what God went through. He left the position of praise, honor, and glory, the the throne he had in heaven, to take on this? He wouldn't do that unless it was absolutely necessary for us. When we see this, we see what Paul says is humility. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He showed the greatest humility in doing this. We have to understand that for God to do this, for God to humble himself in this way and take on flesh, there must be a big reason. And there is. The reason is our sin is that bad. The reason is our depravity is that bad. The reason is before Christ, our condition was broken. We were under the curse. And so in our flesh, in our human nature, there was no possible way for us to be restored to God. Our sin caused death, according to Romans 6.23. That was the wages. Under, Under the law, we were told this is how you meet the standard. We couldn't keep the law. There's no one who could keep the law perfectly. And in our flesh, we were tempted continually, yet Christ, by becoming human, by taking on human nature, was able to bring perfection into the broken state. He was able to live a life perfect, fulfilling the law that we could not fulfill. He was able to conquer sin through his death, the payment that paid the wages that no other being could pay and through his resurrection, conquered the grave. Only Christ could have accomplished this. Apart from that, our sin could not have been taken care of. In fact, there's a quote I have from a commentary that says, Christ needed to take on flesh so that he could live a perfect life under the law, so that his sacrifice and death could pay the specific wages that our sin costs. There is no other being that could have lived perfect apart from God, yet only a human could die to make the payment. That seems like a hard task, you know. If the solution is only God can make the payment, but only a human could die, we seem hopeless. Yet, through Christ's incarnation, we see that God had a perfect plan. Being 100% God, he could make the payment. Being 100% human, he could die. There's a reason why he humbled himself. And it's for this. It was necessary. We would be lost without him. He was able to cure our condition. Under sin, we were 
Going to death, he conquered death. Under the law, we were imperfect. He perfected the law, and upon believing in him, imputes his righteousness onto us. His earned righteousness through perfection is put on our account. What's beautiful about this is it shows the great length that God is willing to go because he loves us. You want to know how deep God's love is? Look at how lost we were. The fact that the God of the universe was willing to humble himself in the way that we described shows that he loves us so deeply. And he was willing to do so. That we would be restored to him. And what's, what's even more is after this in Philippians 2, it's not like Christ stayed in this humbled, humiliated state. No, he ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He's sitting on his throne interceding for us. And one day he will return. In fact, in Philippians 2 here, right after it says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross, Paul says, for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, those who are under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ didn't stay in a humiliated form. He deserves the honor, praise, and glory. He had it beforehand. He lowered himself for us. And now, because of his sacrifice, he deserves it. And he will get it. And what's awesome for us is not only do we benefit from his incarnation, not only do we benefit by having joy, peace, hope, these wonderful things that, that we celebrate during the Advent, we have these things in Christ. But we also get to praise him. We get to glorify his name. We get to exalt him when we celebrate. And so I want to remind you, next week is our Christmas service, and we have our Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. And I want to invite you all to come out there because during this Christmas season, I want us to really focus. I want us to, to remember the deep humiliation that Christ went through, but also the deep love he has for us. And in remembering that, let us exalt his name. Let us sing his praises. Let us shout his name to the world. And let us not forget that he has given us everything. I'm going to pray and then we're dismissed. It was a joy being with you all. Let's pray. Lord, I want to just thank you. Lord, when we think about Christmas, when we think about your birth, Lord, you didn't come here just to give us joy. The joy is a result of why you came. You came because we had a desperate need. You came because we were lost. You came because we were dead in our sins and trespasses, yet you loved us. Lord, thank you that you loved us so much you were willing to enter into the humble state of humanity. Live a, a life of persecution and pain and ultimately die. Lord, we thank you. We owe you everything. You've given us life and life abundantly. 
And so, Lord, we shout our praises to you. Thank you, God. You are an awesome God. You're a mighty God. You're a wonderful God. You're an all-loving, merciful, graceful, beautiful God. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave his life for us. Don't let us forget. And we pray all of these things in your son's holy name. Amen. Thank you all. Merry Christmas. You are dismissed.